This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at Upcase.com. What did you like about last week's? You said it, you it, like- it sounded so like relaxed. It it was very different from the way we normally say it. I really? don't know why. Yeah, yeah. It sounds so different. Like it, it wasn't voices, like, like it wasn't like registers. Hey, everybody. Like the way I said, and this is build phase. It wasn't like, and this is build phase. It's like, and this is build phase. <laughs> like NPR. <laughs> Mark and Gordon in the morning. <laughs> You know that's going to be our pre-roll now, right? Yeah, I <laughs> felt it as soon as I said it. Hey, everybody. This is Gordon Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. Uh, late lunch? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm starting to think that there may be some correlation between me eating Jimmy John's and, uh, <laughs> and, showing and being up, late. <laughs> showing up a half hour late for the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. It could just be correlation with I usually get Jimmy John's on Thursday. Hmm. 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 It was funny, too, because I was texting you. For, I've been texting you for like 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we were having a discussion about Helen Keller. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Sure. Does it? <laughs> no. Not at all. Not we at got all. some good gifts from you, though. That TikTok one is amazing. <laughs> the the one from uh, what's that stupid movie? Frozen. That's the girl from Frozen. Mm. And they made her eyes are supposed to go in the same direction, but they made they they edited the image so they go in opposite directions. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm saving, uh, I'm saving that one. Technology. Mm-hmm. What a time to be alive. Seriously. I haven't seen Frozen. Have you seen Frozen? You have a you have a little niece. You've seen I, Frozen. I have a niece, and I also have a wife that is in love with those movies. So, mm. I've seen Frozen a number of times. Unfortunately, I tried to watch it last year when I had the flu, and I got like twenty minutes in, and I was not was not having it. I tried to watch it later, and it just made me feel flu like. <laughs> so I decided, nope. Yeah, you kind of want to think that those movies are going to be just absolutely god awful. But it's it's not it's not that bad, all things considered. It really isn't that bad. Um, I don't know. I don't want to talk about Frozen for an hour. We don't have to. <laughs> Good. Good. But man, that that Adina Menzel, her career has been rejuvenated. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. gonna ride that ride that Frozen train all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to? I'm still working on this. Uh, app should i even say what it is sure i don't don't think it matters it's a gopro remote cool yeah why don't you talk about what you want to do and the problems that you're running into and because i think i think it's all i think it's all interesting stuff yeah so i learned each gopro camera has a wi-fi radio and it runs an http server on board and you can connect your phone to this wi-fi network that the camera creates and then start sending commands to to the server. And you can also get a live stream, which is the frames of video that are being captured. So it's possible for anyone to create a sort of viewfinder and remote for GoPro cameras. And we are specifically focusing on the Hero 3 and the Hero 3 Plus. And we should be able to create kind of a, a bare bones controller for your camera. So you can imagine maybe it's mounted on your helmet 
because you're a cool sports snowboard dude or something. Yep, or that's, the, a, that's a technical term, sure. And you could have it, you know, on a tripod or maybe even on a selfie stick, and selfie you can control stick. it remotely with your phone. Do you not know what a selfie stick is? I, is that a thing? Is that like can you search Amazon for selfie stick and actually find products, oh, or is that oh. just a stupid term for a monopod that you hold in front of yourself like an idiot? That could be it. I've never actually heard the word monopod before. It makes sense that it would just be this thing that's been around, but then someone called it a selfie stick, and now people are buying them. Yeah. Um, people on Reddit have taken to calling it a narcissistic, which <laughs> I good. think is pretty great. That's no, good. No, no. Yeah, if you search Amazon, it is a selfie stick. It's called a selfie stick. Okay. And it's I have to look basically at what, you've, what you've described. It's a monopod. Well, it's a little different because it, it pivots at the end. Hold on, hold on. Pro Master Selfie Stick. Holy shit. So they get pretty elaborate. So some of them even have – so check this out. Some of Good them Lord. even have a, have a mirror on the back so that you can use the back camera of your, on your phone to take your photo but use the mirror to see what's on the screen because the screen's facing away from you. Jesus. So it's a little more than a monopod. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't exactly a monopod. It's a selfie stick. I'm so disappointed right now. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to derail. You can't just throw the word selfie stick at me and have me not <laughs> ask questions. So this app, we just thought that we could do a better job with design and basically let you switch through the video modes, um, turn your camera on and off. The, the server runs regardless of the camera actually being on or off. I'm trying to remember the name of the server that it runs. I assume that it's extremely low power Cherokee Cherokee HTTP server it, it doesn't really matter and you know switch video modes turn it on and off use the shutter you can basically control every aspect of the camera hmm. just by sending get requests to the server and various endpoints it's pretty cool yeah so at the same time I'm also using this as my first serious Swift project mm -hmm. which is going okay <laughs> it's going okay You've been running into problems. Uh, yeah. Part of it, I, I thought that the debugger was just broken in Swift. And then I found out from you yesterday that it does, in fact, work for other people. <laughs> yeah, and it just wasn't was... working for me. Yeah. I feel bad about not picking up on that earlier, too, because I've heard you complain about it. And I'm like, yeah, it is a little funky. Like, <laughs> you said things. I'm like, yeah, it's a little, you know, it's not It's not great. PO, you know, when you type PO, it's fairly slow, and sometimes there aren't things in the variable inspector that I feel like should be in the variable inspector. I didn't realize that nothing worked for you. Basically, LLDB wasn't really loading. No, right. Yeah, yeah my, my variables view was white, mm -hmm. just white square. Right. Nothing in it. I have a console, and I have an LLDB prompt, and everything I type in there either would throw an error or just return me right back to the prompt. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it was just completely hosed for me for some reason. I thought maybe because I had like beta versions and then I installed the like app store versions over it. I thought I was just completely hosed. And then you just happened to ask, hey, do you have anything in your uh, LLDB in it? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I have some reveal aliases in here left over. See, I don't know. Did, so did you just delete your your LLDB in it? Uh, I emptied it. You emptied I, it. I, I should have just deleted it. I should remove it from my dot .files because I don't use any of that stuff. I just had an RD 
recursive description alias in right. there. Right. I have that one. And but so I think your LLDB init came from my LLDB init. Right? Or at least we shared those same commands because I have RD and those. So I, I, I'm still not sure why. Do you have reveal installed on your machine? No. Then, no. See, then I don't know why it didn't work for me. But removing it, and I just everything. restarted Xcode, works great now. Yeah. I actually have a variables view. I can PO. Yeah. It doesn't tell me that print line is not a valid command anymore. Like, it all works. Right. I don't know what it was about having that in there that was causing LLDB to flip out. Yeah, me neither. That's weird. So hopefully that will help. Yeah. I kind of wonder if that was somehow interfering with other aspects of my problems with Swift. Probably not, right? Could have been. I mean, if your debugger, like if it's screwing up LLDB, I can see that. Because you were saying things like that really didn't make sense to me. Like it was skipping breakpoints that it didn't, even if it did hit a breakpoint, you couldn't use step over because mm-hmm. it would, it would, it just wouldn't know how to traverse like lines of code and stuff like that like that sounds like crazy deep-seated issues it was stepping over like just arbitrary numbers number of lines it would just go to like three lines down and then i had a bad instruction runtime error going on where every time i ran it it would hit on that in a different place with the exception breakpoint on sometimes it would land on a break statement in a for loop sometimes it would land on where that function was being called and it would just jump around every time I ran the app. And it was driving me insane. Yeah, I can imagine. And has that gone away too? So the code I was trying it with yesterday, I got so fed up that right, I just threw it right. into an Objective-C class and then put that in the bridging header and I'm pulling right. it in that way now and it worked fine. I haven't tried to go back and mm-hmm. make that C code work directly with Swift. Mm-hmm. I will try that and report back to you. Yeah. I hope that fixes it because I really felt like I was about to turn a corner with like not being on the type system's bad side. Mm-hmm. but that this might have been getting in my way and impeding my progress. Because now I don't know, like, was I really getting it and it just wasn't working right, or am I still not understanding how to make it work with C and it's actually not correct? Uh, now I don't know. Yeah, it could be a little bit of both, honestly. Do you want to take a step back and talk about the what you were trying to do in C yesterday? Oh, yeah. So I found a little bit of code online that uses the captive network part of the system configuration framework. And what that lets you do is get information about your network interfaces and the things that you are connected to. And with the goal of getting your connected SSID. So the first screen in this app, because you sort of need to know that your phone needs to be connected to the camera, we show you a screen that says like, we're looking for cameras on this network. And I wanted to throw the SSID name in there. So you would see it and go, oh, this obviously isn't right. Like you'd know right away, oh, I'm still on my home network. I need to switch over to my camera. And so I found a little bit of code on Stack Overflow. It's C functions, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to make that work directly in Swift. I I feel like I was starting to understand it because, you know, those functions return CF arrays. Yeah, specifically unmanaged CF arrays. uh, Right. So when, when they get to Swift, Swift can't not infer the memory semantics Correct. of these things. So it basically puts them in this wrapper called unmanaged. Right. Which is really just, I think it's just a semantic barrier from you being able to use it without understanding that what you're using isn't memory managed. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's literally just 
it's an intentional wall being put in your way so that you don't accidentally use this thing as if it is being memory managed. Mm -hmm. So in the comments in the standard library, unmanaged is a struct Mm -hmm. uh, around a generic type. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a type for propagating an unmanaged object reference. And when you use this type, you become partially responsible for keeping the object alive. Which I'm assuming just means it, it'll be alive as long as it's inside your current scope. I think what they're doing is they're hedging there because it still may be managed by, it just kind of depends like on the code you're calling. Mm-hmm. Like I do know that that specific code that I was calling in there, it's like CN copy supported interfaces says in the header that you're responsible for this other code may be like no 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 like we'll manage the lifetime of this object whatever and that's why this struct has two methods on it that is um take unretained value and take retained value Mm. okay which is basically what it sounds like and that sort of unwraps like the unmanaged struct and gives you like like the the, the raw value right Mm -hmm. either a retained cf array or an unretained CF array. Yeah, and I, assuming and I think that's that, what's contained inside the... And, and that's sort of like doing like an underbar, underbar, bridge, or bridge, unretained. Yes, I think so, yeah. It also has some methods. I don't know when you'd ever, ever actually use these, but it actually has retain, release, and auto-release declared. Oh, okay. And retain and auto-release return another unmanaged struct of that type. Cool. So anyway, the important bit that... It, there is that you get these unmanaged references back and you have to, in my case, take the unretained value. They just need to be alive during this function and then they can go away. Mm -hmm. But I was really just getting hung up on the casting. Right. So I finally have a CF array. It holds CF strings and I'm trying to loop over them. As I'm iterating over, do I need to like cast them as CF strings? Can I just tell the for loop that I want to take these as NS strings because they should be bridged and then they're further bridged to string by the compiler? Yeah, I think you can automatically jump from CF string to NS string. I think. Yeah. You should be able to I'm just not clear if like if it'll do that sort of twice for you. Like once you have an NS string, I should be able to just take that as a string. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of trying to build it, get an error, go, okay, I well this needs to be casted. Throw like an as something in there that shuts that error up and keep trying it. And once I finally got it running, I started getting those bad instructions all over the place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a type mismatch for you combined with, like, now that I'm thinking about it, those debugger issues that you were having would also mean that it's reasonable to think that when you were actually hitting errors, it was showing you the errors in the wrong place. You know what I mean? It hit a runtime error, so it hit Sigabort or EXE bad access, right, and broke but where it was showing you that it was broken was not actually where it was broken. Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Cause you were saying like, I remember thinking that it was really weird that what you were doing, like it made sense that it was compile. It didn't make sense that it was running like before you were pulling out. So this was a conversation we were having like last night over text message. Right. But or you were sending me code snippets where you were casting directly from the unmanaged CF array directly to an array of strings or you actually just to an array of any object. But so you're doing like let foo equal whatever value, what it, the function that returned an unmanaged CF array mm-hmm. as 
array of any object, right? Mm-hmm. And you were saying that that was fine, but then it was breaking down when you were trying to iterate through. Right. And that shouldn't have happened because you can't just convert from unmanaged CF array directly to array of any object. That's not how that works. Because, you know, there's two constructs there. You can do a cast, which will just satisfy the compiler, and only in special circumstances where you say, like, as this type. So you do let thing equal whatever as type. And if you do that, it'll satisfy the compiler, assuming that, like, the compiler will do some basic checks to make sure that it's, like, basically i think a lot of times it what it wants that what the compiler wants is for it to be a subclass i get what you're saying but i think that line was correct because i was using take unretained value which was giving me at that point you actually have a cf array ref and not an unmanaged cf array and then i yeah i was doing take unmanaged value as an array of strings Hmm. or an array of any objects which the compiler thought was just fine Hmm. but when it actually came time to iterate through them at runtime then it did not like how I was casting each member on each iteration, hmm. I think. I don't remember, but I, I would be interested to see going back into that now that your debugger is working, seeing if you get more useful errors and more useful breaking at that point. I could actually try this. Okay. Just let Tom know that he's going to have some editing to do here. <laughs> That's fine. As I sit here and flail. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's see. Copy supported interfaces. Take unretained. Oh, man, I'm getting so much auto-completion. This is fantastic. <laughs> oh, that wasn't working either? No. Man, I was no getting- wonder you hated all this so much. I, I thought Swift was just horribly broken because I, was <laughs> I wasn't even getting like, auto-complete. I was like, man, That's this amazing. is horrible. That's amazing. It's kind of amazing that I got as far as I did. I'm super impressed with you, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was just the way the world worked. Reference to generic type dictionary requires arg- – oh, this also needs to be – I keep doing that. I keep typing dictionary as a type when really it needs to be brackets, you know. Yeah, type, you need to type, type the interiors of the dictionary. You can, If you wanted, you could also use NS dictionary. Mm, but then I couldn't subscript, right? I'd have to use no, object. You could. No, I think you can do subscripting for NS dictionary. For the same reason you can do it in Objective-C. It has subscript. It's just typed as string any object. If you can figure out the actual types of these things, instead of using any object ever, your whole life is going to be so much easier. I'm trying that. All right, it builds. Hey, I'm actually getting like helpful error messages now. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so I got a bad instruction, but it does say in the console, unexpectedly found nil when unwrapping an optional value. Aha, so. so there's an explicitly unwrapped optional coming somewhere. The bane of Swift. Hmm. Ah, yes. It's this C function that has an implicitly unwrapped optional. Hmm. Oh, right. I did determine later that this doesn't work in the sim. So uh-huh. I would need to plug in my device to make sure. But, yeah. but that does expose a, a problem here, that this could crash if there's no interfaces for some reason. Yeah. Is this interesting? Um, no, I think this should be heavily edited down, but I will post the code so people just aren't like, this is dumb. I'm just listening to these nerds talk with no payoff. Do we have, do we have a cool like noise that we can just like plug in there? I don't know. 
The what's the the dream one from uh, Wayne's World? That's what I want. Oh, the doodly do. That works. Yeah, that's our transition. So was that easier just now? Oh I mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got it to build so much faster. Yeah. I mean, you were you were texting me about that for thirty minutes. An I, hour. I was so angry that I had to go for a walk. I could tell because you just stopped responding <laughs> to text messages. <laughs> Right about the time you said, I'm so angry, I'm about to throw this whole project away and do it in Objective-C. <laughs> yes. I really am impressed that you got as far as you did without code completion and without any of the th- stuff. It was bananas. Yeah. Is it weird that we rely so heavily on that stuff? No, I don't think so. Like the fact that LLD... Okay, so so part of the problem is that LLDB was giving you bad information, right? Mm, yes. And that's that's not great. But the but the other problem I see is that if LLDB or Xcode starts screwing up, it means that it becomes close to impossible for us to do our jobs. Yeah, true. That seems bad to me. Like if Vim starts screwing up, I can jump to text edit. You know what I mean? And I won't get the same niceties that I get in Vim. But it won't hurt me at the level that – or maybe it will. Maybe I'm just overthinking this whole thing. I'm probably just overthinking it because I'm nervous about Xcode in general. I'm constantly nervous about my reliance on Xcode and that it feels like a vulnerable place to be in, that I have to rely on this piece of software that I really just don't trust. Is that crazy? I mean, no. We – Maybe feel a little bit better if it was open source, but we're completely at Apple's mercy. So I don't think that that's crazy at all. Like when you're getting really obscure problems, you can't just go jump in and figure out why. Right. Which I think is why the other developers here think we're crazy. Like be like, sure. like there's a bug in UI kit and there's this thing in this blog post. And like, well, can you find out why? I'm like, no. <laughs> we well, make doesn't guesses. Work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like. Yeah, that was a that was a blog post. You're referring to a blog post you were writing, right? Where it was mm-hmm. like, did that publish? Uh, it did publish, but I I removed that oh, okay. that bit just because I didn't know what was going on. And yeah, so it's just that it yeah. was leaking. Yeah, so you were so you wrote a blog post on implementing like a toolbar that sticks to the bottom, right? That yeah. pops up with the input accessory views on mm-hmm. UI view controllers. Right. Yeah, they're not just for views, kids. You can use them on view controllers. And there's a point in the original draft where you had to do some workaround because of some bug. And the general mood of that section was like, I don't know why I have to do this. Here's why I think I have to do this, but you should just do it. And the the review feedback was like, can we find out? No, (laughs) not really. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you can make an educated guess about what's going on there based on contextual clues from the rest of the framework or rumors. You know what I mean? Like the amount of what I know that is based completely on rumor, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> where it's like from what I hear from people that know people, it's not even like I know people, you know what I mean? It's like, I know people that know people and I know people that know people that know people. I'm like t- at least two steps away from app internals at Apple at any given moment. It's like the number of decisions that I make based on these rumors that I hear is terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I don't expect Apple to fire up an Apple Twitter account anytime soon, 
that although lets they us... do right i mean they they have oh. the swift like that's what's crazy about new new apple right this this year's apple apple since wwdc i think you could, i think in all seriousness it would not surprise me if five ten years from now we look at this year's wwdc as a turning point with regards to like Apple's openness, maybe I'm not sure exactly how to phrase it, but if you look at the stuff that's happened just since WWDC, one Tim Cook actually tweets. You know what I mean? Oh, does he? I yes. don't follow. Him. Yeah, I don't either. But he gets retweeted in my feed every now and then. But Tim Cook actually tweets. You have you know Swift itself. Swift has brought about so much more openness. There's this you know an Apple like an official run by Apple Swift Twitter account. There's an official on Apple's website, Swift blog, you know what I mean? With tutorial, with like actual content on it. They don't post that often, but you know, you have people on the actual Swift team. Chris Latner and Joe Groff are the two that come to mind where these are people that are working. They work on Swift. They are on Twitter. They're active on Twitter. They're getting, they're involving. It's not even like people, Joe Groff specifically. I, I follow Joe Groff and, and he's a super smart dude. And, but like, I'm constantly impressed with Joe's maybe, maybe I just haven't been following the right Apple people up till now, but he involves himself in discussions about Swift. There will be people talking about Swift and he will he will jump in the conversation. People not, aren't pinging him to bring him into the conversation. He actively finds these conversations and asks questions and makes comments and makes statements, not promising anything, not talking about, you know what I mean? He's not going to talk about like future features and stuff like that, but he actively says like, oh, you know, well, we kind of wanted to do this or, you know, yeah, well, we decided that this would be better or that kind of stuff. Chris Latner has been super open in the in the forums, which is still behind a login wall. But in the dev forums, following Chris Latner has been really interesting because he's constantly posting very long posts about exactly the motivations behind perceived bugs or shortcomings in the language or features that should be that he wants to add and that kind of thing. Do you think that all of this openness about Swift is indicative of like Apple being more open or it's just as a means to make sure that Swift is successful? Like they've given them a bit of a leash with regard to Swift only because this only applies to Swift. I, I don't I don't see people like jumping in and talking about, oh, yeah, that's a bug in UI label on iOS 8. Here's a workaround. I, sure. I think that there's a deep seated culture of secrecy at Apple and I think it's going to be there for a while. But I also think that there's something about Tim Cook taking over and something about Swift being kind of a fresh start, so to speak, that paves the way for a more open Apple. I don't think that a few years ago, people would have been as open with Swift as they have been, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that it's because the, the reality of the situation is that Yes, being more open about Swift helps Swift. But I think there's something in them recognizing that. Because being more open with Foundation, for example, would have helped Objective-C, don't you think? Being more open with UIKit would have helped UIKit. You know, now that I think about it, 
maybe it's that Swift is the first sort of major release from Apple in the age of Twitter. Maybe it's just because the channels exist now. Because, you know, come to think of it, Craig Hockenberry was tweeting about some stuff and some questions he had about WatchKit. And Jake Behrens was being super open about sort of like implementation details of certain aspects of WatchKit with him on Twitter. And so maybe it's just that like with these new tools coming out, because things like Twitter exist, they're just able to use them. That's fair. I I have, I mean, back when Andy Matushak was at Apple, I did see him talking about UIKit in specific ways. I'm talking specifically about things that Apple wants the developers to embrace, not things that already exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope you see more of it. Me too. I like it. It makes me feel better. Well, and I think we've said this before. Either we've said this or I heard this somewhere else and then pretended that I said it. Um, but that, <laughs> But that it's very easy to view Apple as a monolithic kind of thing, right? Apple made the decision to X, right? And it's very easy to dehumanize that and to not see Apple as being built, made up of a large number of individuals, actual people that make actual decisions. And there's something about seeing Apple employees open about this. And like you get a sense of personalities and you get a sense of that these are actual people. That helps to humanize Apple in a way that they didn't have before. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. And my understanding is that like the teams at Apple are fairly autonomous, and that may be because of the sort of siloing that they do for secrecy reasons. Yeah. I mean, they, like they, they, they stay to themselves, but each team is kind of given a lot of power over development processes. Right. I remember at WWDC two years ago that like the DevTools team had just moved over to using Git. But like, presumably that means that other teams are using subversion or whatever they want. Well, and then we've talked about Apple's tenuous relationship with testing, you know, and about how like the only thing that I, again, going back to this weird thing where I repeat things that are rumors because it's the only information I have to go off of, but that we've, or I've heard that basically XC test exists because of core data and that core data is really the only thing that was really very heavily tested. Along with that, I've I've also heard that Foundation has extensive testing, okay. Okay. which makes sense. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've also heard that the, the the core data team had a lot of leeway with management because their entire framework is tested. Right. Right. Bill Baumgartner has a blog post about it. In but, fact. And so and so, like, I mean, it, it explains that too, right? Explains the fact that there are basically two frameworks that we know of that have heavy testing. And everything else is kind of like wild, wild west. You know, that kind of speaks to that autonomy. Right. Because if there was just a strong testing culture at Apple, I don't think we would have XC test as it exists today. And if UIKit was tested at all, I think we'd have UI testing frameworks, which we don't have. And I bet that the public API to a lot of frameworks might be different. Oh, yeah. Almost definitely. Which I wouldn't complain about. Yeah, me neither. I watched um, – this may be jumping topics, but whatever. This is kind of a meandering episode anyway. I, I watched um, – I sent you this video. I don't know if you watched it. I'll put it in the show notes too. But I watched Rob Ricks. He did a talk called Many Types Makes Light Work at NS Scotland. 
absolutely phenomenal. It's just kind of all about Swift, and it's about like the TLDR of the thing is stop subclassing. Which as soon as he he said that, like he puts it, you know, he puts it on a slide. He says like stop subclassing is like as a quote, as if it's a quote. And then the credit for the quote is like me just now. (laughs) (laughs) And the second the second that slide came up, I'm like, yeah, dude, that's my neck tattoo. Like I just want that. (laughs) Stop. Like you know, like uh, like memento or something. Like right across shoulder to shoulder. Stop subclassing. And, but like one of the things, like he really talks a lot about, again, something that we've touched on a number of times, especially over the past few weeks, which is subclassing versus protocols. And, you know, talks about how one of the interesting distinctions he makes is, is this idea that we should talk about this next time. This is, I'm about to get into a whole thing and we're at like. A half hour, 45 minutes already. Let's do that. I wanted to watch the video. I will make a point of watching it. Yeah, let's talk um, about it weekend. next time. Because I, okay. I think it's super interesting. Hold on. Do you want me to play back where we were before I talked about that? Or do we not care? Um, I just don't know if we can edit out of that. No, I mean, like, let's leave that. <laughs> and then so people know what to come back oh, for next okay. week. But then let's edit out <laughs> this part where we talk about the sure. part that we're not going to edit. All right. Or let's just leave this part too. Sure. We'll do something. It's, with it's called this. Behind the Scenes. Sure. With Mark and Gordo. <laughs> Good luck, Tom. This is going to be... Sorry. <laughs> it's because Mark was a half hour late for the podcast. Yeah, all like, my fault. It is. Give me too much time to drink before the podcast, and so mm-hmm. this is what mm-hmm. you get. Mm-hmm. Should we wrap it up? That's rough. Yeah, let's wrap it up. <laughs> we wrap it up. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 66. As always, we want to hear from you, so email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And as always, we appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. Cool. Wrapping it up. See you. Later, man. <laughs>